Hey Podcast Babe, welcome to season 8 of the Podcast Babes podcast. Get ready for inspiring interviews with female podcasters and a bite-sized podcast hack episode every Monday. If you want to learn more about podcast monetization or if you're ready to outsource podcast management, be sure to check out our website, thepodcastbabes.com. You can find everything there from our current pricing packages, more information about the podcast base, previous episodes. It's all there. Okay, so now let's go into today's episode. Hey, podcast babe. Welcome to a new interview episode. Today I'm here with Paige Hulse. She is an attorney based in the United States, but she works with international clients. Her law firm is called Paige Hall's Law, and she is also the founder of Creative Law Shop, where she sells templates for contracts, but like literally everything you need, actually, as a creative entrepreneur. She specializes in helping creative entrepreneurs. So that's us as podcasters. And today we're going to go over some common mistakes that podcasters make and how you can make sure that you are protected and that you don't run into any crazy lawsuits or any crazy risks that you um, might encounter. So Paige, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me here. I'm really excited to speak to you all today. And I promise that I'll, I'll try to make this, I know this topic isn't the most fun, but I'll try to make it as informative and as absolutely educational packed as it could possibly be. So thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. And I think it's a really important topic. So I'm very glad that we have you here. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work? Because you work mostly with creatives, right? Is that correct? So that, um, not to start off sounding like a lawyer, but yes and no. <laughs> so I started, <laughs> I started my law firm, Paige Holtz Law, very creatively named there. I uh, started that in 2017, June 1 of 2017. And when I got started, I specifically worked with creative entrepreneurs and wedding professionals, which are usually one and the same. And within a couple of months of starting my law firm, I branched out and created the creative law shop as well, which I'll explain more about that later on. So within the first three months of business, I had both of those businesses up and running. And for the next, well, we make plans and God laughs at our plans or whatever the saying is. I worked specifically with creative entrepreneurs um, through 2019. And by the end of 2019, I had started um, branching out and working with quite a few small to mid-sized businesses as well. And then, of course, COVID happened and there's plenty to talk about there. And all of a sudden, woke up one day and every creative entrepreneur client that I had ever worked with ever had a lot of questions. So I did end up coming back and working in the creative industry for a little bit. I, I have one foot in that door now and one foot in the general online business world and I can, again, get into that quite a bit more later on, but it's very interesting just from my perspective and my line of work. I will always work with creative entrepreneurs because I am always learning something from my clients. And it's so interesting how working with creative entrepreneurs actually informs so much of the work and the advice that I even give some of my midsize and completely non-creative <laughs> clients as well, just because creatives obviously think, excel at thinking outside the box. and that brings a level of strategy to business. But anyways, I will get off that soapbox for, <laughs> for a minute. But uh, it's something that's that's always interesting to note. <laughs> yeah, and I think really interesting to hear also that you 
started both businesses at the same time or around the same time and that it also evolved. I think that's really, that sounds very familiar, you know, I think for every (laughs) online entrepreneur, that sounds very familiar and also for every podcaster, I'm sure. So Paige, my number one question for you, you probably see it coming (laughs) as podcasters. What do we need to know about the whole legal world and about everything that we're doing? Like, what is your number one tip for us? All right. Number one tip. Well, and before I get into that, let me start with actually making sure I'm being legal myself. I guess that's important. (laughs) But I have to, anytime I start a conversation, have to start with my standard disclaimer. So while I'm an attorney, I am not anyone listening's attorney unless and until we sign a client agreement. And Everything I'll be talking about is for just general educational purposes, take it, apply it to your own business. Don't take it as the specific advice I am giving to you. Run it by a lawyer if you have follow-up questions. So with that out of the way, <laughs> I'll actually now directly answer your question. When it comes to podcasters, and I have quite a few podcasting clients who have podcasts, and the number one, actually, most people would think that I would start with talking about the contract side probably, but actually the number one problem that my podcast clients run into and where they usually end up calling me and having to ask me for help has to do with the intellectual property side. So a lot of times, and I might be speaking out of turn here a bit, but just from my own experience working with my clients, many times my clients who have podcasts start, it's usually the second step of their business or it's an iteration of their business. Usually people don't leave a full-time job and start a podcast. It usually is an organic next step within whatever existing business that person may have. And so with that, what usually happens or with the problems that I see most frequently arising, I should say, are someone will start a podcast. There's so much work that goes into the back end of it, of course, and just figuring out the equipment. I don't need to explain that to you all, of course. But what gets overlooked is the intellectual property side that needs to be taken care of before the podcast is even before it's even launched. What I'm really saying here is a lot of times people will start a podcast. They will not run a due diligence search on the name. And I'll get into the nuances of everything I'm talking about later on. But when I say due diligence search, I mean a legal, like a lawyer runs a due diligence search, not just a Google search, not just making sure the domain is available, but an actual legal due diligence search and trademarking the name. What the problems that I have seen arise that are the most heart-wrenching, the most difficult to deal with just from, I'm, you know, no, even if I'm a lawyer, I am a human too. <laughs> and it's, it is heart-wrenching to me when I get the phone call from somebody saying that they've received a cease and desist letter because their name is too close to somebody else's name or to another podcast name. And they've spent all this time and money and effort and just everything that goes into building a podcast only to have that reputation ripped out from underneath them. And again, I'll get into the nuances of everything I'm talking about further in the conversation, but that would be the probably not so short answer to your question is the importance of foresight, especially when it comes to the intellectual property side. Yeah. So step one shouldn't be buying equipment and actually launching the podcast, but step one should be getting a lawyer, uh, getting an attorney, due diligence and trademarking. Yes, absolutely. I should have mentioned at the beginning of this conversation as well. I'm based in the United States, but generally speaking, everything I'm talking about, the laws in other countries generally follow the same procedure. So just take that with a grain of salt to the listeners. Maybe go ahead and you can start buying the podcast equipment, et cetera. But 
before you actually tell anybody about the podcast, before you pour any time, any effort, any of our hard-earned dollars as entrepreneurs into building this business or starting this new business or new side of the business, you need to make sure that you aren't shooting yourself in the foot by starting a business you're going to get sued for. I can't say it any more bluntly than that. It's within the United States, if somebody, whoever registers their trademark first, generally speaking, owns that name. Once you own that name, and it's not a matter of it just feels good to own the name, it feels good to have the certificate hanging on the wall. Once you have a registration, once you actually own that business name, you can legally stop somebody else from using a name that interferes with or runs too close or is too similar to your own name. And sometimes, of course, that happens without, you know, with no malintent. People don't mean to copy or step on toes too much. They just come up with similar names. But what that, where it gets really, really tricky from a legal perspective is there are some companies that will intentionally wait until they'll watch and they will wait until you start building up a follower, a base. Once they know you're monetizing, they want to see you monetizing that podcast because once you're monetizing the podcast, then they can go after you and they know that you have money to take. I mean, I know I hate talking about this side of, of the law, but it's just simply true. Somebody's not going to be as interested in suing somebody that has zero dollars behind that bank account. They're going to wait until they know you're probably making some money off of, you know, yeah. ad sponsors, whatever that might be. So anyways, and then just the business side, because we're all entrepreneurs also and building up your business reputation and having to go through the steps of marketing and then figuring out how to redo that or, you know, how to literally recreate your reputation. That's a daunting task. <laughs> For me, that would be really hard, at least. So that's why it's something at least start with that due diligence search, talk to an attorney, a trademark, an intellectual property attorney specifically, at least get that process started. And you can run the due diligence search before you launch, which is what I recommend to absolutely everybody listening. Have the attorney run that due diligence or knockout search, as it's called. And then you don't necessarily have to trademark right away because as an entrepreneur and a lawyer myself, I can put both hats on. So my legal, when I have my legal hat on, I say, of course, trademark right away. It's a race to the courthouse. Mm -hmm. So whoever trademarks first wins. If I put my business hat on, I know that money doesn't, <laughs> or at least for me, money doesn't grow on trees. So <laughs> it's a catch 22. Yeah. We have to work to build the business, to be able to pay for the things that we need to have to build the business. And anyways, I understand that. So I don't want to just be so black and white and say you have to trademark right away, but you need to within the first six months for sure. So mm -hmm. I, when I meet with my clients, we map out like an actual, very specific, detailed timeline strategy plan in terms of when, how long they can get away with waiting, which is usually not that long, but building a little bit of a buffer mm -hmm. there. So, Yeah. Exactly. And then also when you wait too long, even years into your podcast, you feel like you own it, right? Because you've been doing this forever. But then you can still get that letter like, hey, we're this is our trademark. You cannot use this name anymore. And then it's then it's a real problem. And again, anybody that speaks to me through many of my clients, anybody can tell you, I do not believe in fear mongering. I don't like to just talk about the scary side of the law. I, this is why I love working with entrepreneurs. I love helping build businesses and be strategic and grow the businesses, et cetera. But I do, it is, I would not be doing my job well if I didn't mention some of the risks that are out there that we need to all be cognizant of 
And when it comes to podcasts, I'll tell you where people get in trouble. What usually happens, so let's say that there is some big bad company out there that's watching you, waiting for you to monetize a little bit. And then they sent, and this actually happened to a client of mine a couple of years ago. So let's say there is that bad company out there who's just waiting to take advantage of you. They see that you're making the money. So they send you the cease and desist letter. They negotiate a position with you where you have to, and again, this has actually happened to one of my podcasting clients. They negotiate you into a position where you have to sign a settlement agreement or they'll sue you. So you say, okay, great, I'll sign the settlement agreement. But then that settlement agreement will have fine print language that talks about how that name, that business name that is allegedly infringing or runs too close to that other company's name, that fine print will say that you essentially have to promise to get rid of, obviously it's not written like this, but you have to promise to get rid, <laughs> to get rid of, to basically scrub the internet of the business name in perpetuity. So that means anytime the business name was ever mentioned anywhere online, you're promising to not just stop doing that, but get rid of it. That's the catch. Because if you think about, and again, I'm not, I don't have a podcast. You're the specialist here, of course. But most of my podcasting clients, you have an Instagram account, you have a Pinterest account. You usually are asking your audience or your visitors or guests, I should say, to share about it when the post yeah. goes live, et cetera. And you have graphics is what I'm really getting at. You have graphics that then get shared all over social media. Hopefully that's the yeah. goal. If you're, I mean, that's what you should be doing. Well, in those types of settlement agreements, if you can't prove that you have gotten rid of every single guest post, every single person that they might have shared it with, every single graphic that might be shared somewhere on Pinterest, you can see where this gets, it gets hairy really, really fast. That company will then come back and they'll say, oh, well, if you can't abide by the settlement agreement, then we'll enter into a licensing agreement with you for a small fee of $50,000 a year for you to continue using the name. Yeah. And so it's just a way they can box you into a corner. Unfortunately, it is a way that some companies make money. But that's something that I just want, when it comes to podcasts in particular, I really want to flag for people because it, it's the graphics that end up actually, you can't, I mean, there's no way that you can police Pinterest or some or Instagram. There's, there's no way. <laughs> Yeah, so that's something exactly. But of. also just other websites. For example, one of my own podcasts got included in this like top 10 mm -hmm. podcasts for digital nomads, blah, blah, blah. I mean, how can you ever make sure that they take exactly. that stuff down? Like it's impossible. It's literally impossible. Yeah. So I think it's really good to know like this is a risk and you want to make sure that you're covered for this and that you don't get into this situation because it's Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. It is. It's, those are my, I'm an advocate by nature. Of course, I work with small business owners on purpose because I am one because I was raised by entrepreneurs. It's just, I love working with entrepreneurs and those are the hardest. It's not just that they're hard to fight. They're just the most gut wrenching cases that I have yeah. to fight. And I, if I can save some, at least one person listening to this, or I'm having to go through that, then that's well worth it. Because it's horrible. I don't want anyone to have to go through that. But anyways, none of us want to get sued. So it's good to operate yeah. our businesses so that we don't. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and what about guest release forms? I know a lot of podcasters, they might have heard mm -hmm. of it or maybe not, mm -hmm. but I know that there, that is something that a lot of podcasters talk about way more than trademarking your mm -hmm. podcast, to be honest. I don't hear that many people talk about trademarking, but guest release forms keeps coming up. Yeah. What is your take on that? Do you recommend us have a guest release form? I'm guessing yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> if yes, like, do you have any best practices that you can share for about guest release forms? Absolutely. And when you started this conversation with asking for my number one tip, of course, I was weighing which topic to, to mm -hmm. hit on first, because the guest release form is the low hanging fruit. It's just trademarking. You have to start way, way in advance. So anyways, the guest release forms, everybody that has a podcast needs to be using a some sort of release form. The one that I use typically, if I, which I'll just compliment you here, you did a great job. I saw that you had one included in your documentation or else I would have sent you one myself. It, it, the one that I've written for myself that I typically use is the one that I have in the shop right now. And the reason why you want to use a guest release form for your podcast is because, well, from a guest perspective, The guest wants to have the right to, if you were to edit, well, let's say you were to edit the episode to make the guest sound, I don't know, take their words out of context. <laughs> the guest should have the right to say that you took my words out of context. That's please, like the right to request edits is what I'm getting at. From mm -hmm. the more, arguably more importantly, from the podcaster side, you need to have the guest permission to use their name, appearance, and their likeness. So technically, and I will try not to get too boring with this answer here, but under U.S. law, and I think that this is largely true in non-U.S. countries as well, but there is a, a law of torts called misappropriation of name and likeness. And what can happen with that? What that essentially states is that if you use somebody's name or likeness, so, you know, video, their voice, something like that, they have certain rights to that and you can't infringe upon those rights. So a podcast release is going to just simply state what rights each party has. It's going to state that you promise not to edit them and edit them out of context. And then it's going to also, they're promising to you that they are in fact giving you the right to use their name and likeness in the podcast episode. And it, I will say it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen as much. It's scarier to talk about. It's easy to like drum up fear around it. I haven't heard of that many. I haven't had that many people who have actually litigated cases or have tried to litigate against a podcaster, which should be a sigh of relief for every podcaster listening to this. I'm not yeah. trying to downplay it at all, but it's not it's not as prevalent as the trademarking issue, which is why why I, I would classify the podcast release as probably your your number two most important step that you need to take to make sure the podcast is legally sound. Yeah, exactly. When I started my podcast, I didn't have a guest release form at all. And why was mostly because I thought, oh, like I know my guests, you yeah. know, and they're signing up for this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like, it's still, of course, really important to let your guests know what exactly they're signing up for instead of just, hello, this is a podcast and you probably know what to expect. Exactly. Yeah, and it can get complex down the road when it comes to estate planning and things like that as well, which I won't, I won't even dive into that world right now. But it can get it can get complex quickly. So that's one of those scenarios where like a one-page document takes care of. A one-page document can save from a myriad of, of issues that can arise. 
<laughs> is there anything else that you see like maybe mistakes that podcasters make often or maybe any other risks mm -hmm. that we as podcasters take without knowing it yeah two things immediately come to mind first every single person again speaking from the perspective of a u.s attorney But every person that has a podcast, you, you need to have a separate entity for that podcast. So in the United States, I would recommend that each of my, I make each of my clients who have a podcast have a separate LLC for that podcast. Just briefly, the main reason why is because if, God forbid, something were to happen, one of the scenarios that we've talked about today were to happen and you were to get in trouble with that for that podcast for some reason. You would want to make sure that your other business, your personal assets and liability are completely separate from the podcast assets and liability. So if the podcast is going to get hit with a lawsuit for anything, you only want the podcast to be on the line. You don't want your other business and personal life to be dragged into that as well. There is this as a quick sidebar. There is also, once you start making a certain amount of money, in the United States as an LLC, that you have the opportunity to elect to be taxed as what's called an S corporation and save money on taxes. So if there's a, a tax incentive there as well to have a separate, a separate entity. I know in other countries, I've worked with a few clients in Germany and Australia and, and the UK. And I know that the names of entities are different, but typically we're talking about that most simplistic form of whatever the corporate entity is in your country. So that would be, I guess, now the third thing that I would recommend to podcasters. And then just to flag something that I see happen or an, a mistake that I see happen frequently is the use of imagery and music. So now we're in the realm of copyright law, which is another form of intellectual property. And when it comes to music, you have to make sure that you are not infringing upon the licenses of that music's ownership. I, you, this is where I would defer completely to you in terms of tips on where to find music that can be used within a podcast, et cetera. I don't, this is where I, it's out of my realm, but I can tell you if you don't have a license to use the music, don't use it. Otherwise you're going to land in hot water pretty quickly. Another, and just briefly, when it comes to the use of imagery I've had, and this kind of falls under copyright and trademark law, but I've had some clients who have used just different photos they find online or they've used even like one client I had reference actually had one client reference Disney in some way. And I think she actually used their logo on one graphic and Disney yeah. has a reputation. They will come after anybody that ever uses one of their logos. And so that wasn't a fun letter to get. Such a fun company. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that wasn't, <laughs> that ended up, that ended up being okay. We, we ended up immediately removing it and all as well that ends well. But still, you don't want to have mm -hmm. to deal. That's just something easy you don't want to have to deal with. So yeah. just whenever you're using anybody else's creation, again, whether that's music or imagery or maybe a logo, something like that, just make sure that you have the, the rights to do so. Not everything is fair game. Yeah, I think this is also really important. I mean, it's very easy. I know that a lot of podcasters do this where they just take any picture of a guest that they find mm -hmm. online for their graphics mm -hmm. or they use the logo of the company where the guest works I've also had clients do that and like you cannot always do that of course so yeah. I think it's very important that we mention that here also just quickly wanted to add the tip for like getting music or like getting music licenses I use audio jungle 
So when you're listening and you're like, mm, I don't have a license for the music mm-hmm. that I use in my podcast, go to Audio Jungle. I think Perfect. it's audiojungle.net or something like that. So that's where you can get license for your music. And it's literally between, let's say, 9 and $25 for a year or whatever, you know, it's like not that's expensive perfect. at all. So you definitely don't want to that's so worth it. <laughs> have any risk there of getting sued Absolutely. or, you know, getting into trouble. It's just not worth it. Absolutely. It, like if you if you spend $25, you have really cool music and there will be no problem. And then you don't have to worry so, about yeah, it. So yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think so important. Paige, thank you so much for going through these four like common mistakes or common problems that podcasters run into. Can you share how you can help podcasters, like the services that you offer, and maybe also a little bit about the shop that you have? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So the primary about 80 to 90% of what I spend doing every single day is intellectual property law. I trademark all day, every day and copyright as well. So anybody listening who wants to get a trademark within the U.S., you have to have a U.S. licensed attorney to do so. I provide those services at Page Holtz Law, which is just at pageholtz.com. And one quick note that I'll add to that, actually, sorry to go on a quick tangent here, but when it comes to the decision, this is a conversation I have every single day. When it comes to the decision as to where to trademark, where to run the due diligence search, et cetera, you need to think of each country that you want to enforce the rights within. So for example, I work with clients all around the world is what I'm getting at because a lot of their customer or client or audience is based in the US. So they end up needing trademarks in the US. So that's just something I want to flag for for anybody listening. But anyway, so that's my law firm, Paige Holtz Law. And then the Creative Law Shop, again, the contract template shop that I started with mentioning that was something that I, again, I formed that within, I think, two months of starting the law firm because I quickly, I was getting emails from people around the country and around the world asking for contracts. I had them all sitting on my computer, but I couldn't ethically work with people across state lines or country lines. And so what I've done is I think to date, I think we have about 90 contracts in the shop now. They are all contracts that I've obviously written but they are all contracts that I literally have written for myself or for my own clients. So like my own operating agreement, my own independent contractor agreement, I use them. I, it's literally what I use. And then we also offer lifetime updates in the shop as well. So anybody that purchases gets a portal. And when I, I go to court and I defend these contracts all the time. So if I go to court and I think, oh, I, this would have been a good line to, to add in here. I update the template and you get access to my legal brain pretty much all the time in that way. We also have an online course. It's legal A to Z for for creative business owners. It's about 10 hours worth of educational content for literally everything that I want a creative business owner to know to run their business legally. Answers every single question I've ever ever gotten. And so that can all be found at shopcreativelaw.com. Awesome. We'll also make sure to add the links to the show notes so you can go there. You can click on the link for Paige's law firm. You can click on the link for the shop. Thank you so much for being here, Paige. It was really cool to hear your tips for podcasters specifically and creative entrepreneurs. And yeah, I think I got some work to do now. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully have a clarity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's really important for everyone listening to know about these topics that we talked about. 
So yeah, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your knowledge with us today. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It was a real pleasure speaking with you. All right, that's it for today. Before you go, I want to quickly invite you to check out our podcast management services on the website, thepodcastphase.com. Are you spinning your wheels, producing content, doing all the things from recording, editing, uploading, marketing, promoting your podcast, monetizing your podcast? We can help and we want to help. So definitely check out the link in the show notes uh, to learn more about our podcast management services and book a discovery call if you're interested. See you there. Hey, Podcast Babe, before you go, I want to tell you real quick about a free tool that we developed, a quiz. So if you have heard me talking about podcast monetization and all the different options that you have and you're like, okay, cool, but what's the right one for me? That is exactly what you can find out in this quiz. So if you go to thepodcastbabes.com forward slash quiz, you can answer nine questions. It will only take you five minutes. And one of the podcast monetization strategies will roll out of this quiz as the perfect strategy for you. Of course, I will also give you some tips on how to get started, some podcast episodes to listen to, specified to the outcome of your quiz. So go to the podcast babes forward slash quiz, take the quiz and start monetizing.